In the early 2000s, sort of late 90s, there was this brilliant advert that used to be played on television, and it featured some hedgehogs. And you might have seen it before, but if you haven't, just to summarize what happened, there was an adult hedgehog and a little hedgehog. And the advert was all about teaching um, children how to cross the road. And these two hedgehogs, they um, held hands and they did a little dance and they walked off safely into the sunset. And the strap line of the advert was this. Stop, look, listen, and live. Stop, look, listen, and live. And we are in this season of Advent approaching Christmas. And with all the festive fun and presents and food, this passage that we're looking at this morning about the transfiguration can remind us to stop, look, listen, and live, being captivated by the glory of God. It can be so easy for us to step into Christmas without really paying attention, like crossing a road and not really paying attention. But it is so important for us to pay attention, to stop, look, listen, and live. So we begin with Jesus taking three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, up a mountain. And on this mountaintop, there is this mysterious, supernatural experience that happens. Jesus, he reveals his divinity in a glorious way. Have a look at verse two. It says, There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. This was an extraordinary sight. The brightness gleaming from Jesus, his face shining. His clothes became as white as if they had been bleached with the strongest bleach in the world. The face, his face shining so brightly. It's like the light was blinding. And the disciples, they would have been stopped in their tracks. They would have stopped whatever they were doing on this mountaintop because this was a moment where heaven invaded earth. People were asking at the time, Who is Jesus? And in the transfiguration, his appearance was changed. It was transformed to show the disciples and us who he is. No one else shines like Jesus. In the book of Exodus, we read about Moses, and he's coming down from Mount Sinai after speaking with the Lord, and his face is radiant. That's what it says. But this is different. The transfiguration was even more astonishing than this. It's like the difference between the moon and the sun. The moon suns by reflected light, but the sun, it is the source. It is brighter 
Jesus shines the brightest. And his shining is from within. It is from the inside out. He is the light of the world. He is the light of lights. In the transfiguration, let Peter, James, and John see this. Jesus chose to conceal his glory. And in the transfiguration, we see the revealing of his concealed glory. Verse three tells us that Jesus in his radiance was there with Moses and Elijah. And this is hugely significant, with Moses being there representing the law and Elijah the prophets. And this moment on this mountaintop, it demonstrates that Jesus is greater than both of these heroes of the faith. That he's not another lawgiver. He is not another prophet. He is the Messiah. So stop what you're doing. But don't just stop. Stop and look. Look at who he is. And we so easily forget to do this as we go through our lives busy with many distractions. I used to live in Aberdeen and I heard this great story about someone that I knew there. And she was on a camping trip in Balmoral in Scotland and she was with a group of friends, and they were lost in the middle of these woods in this forest. And so she saw um, a lady in the distance, and she thought oh, it would be a good idea to go and ask her for some directions. So she went over to this lady, and this lady, she was a bit older, she had um, a headscarf on, she had some glasses and some dogs with her. And um, so the girl, you know, she showed her the map, and the lady very helpfully gave her some directions. And this girl, she walked back over to her group and they just stood there and looked at her completely stunned. And they said, do you realize who you've just asked directions from? Do you realize who you've just been speaking to? And she said, well, no, it could have been anyone. They said, you've just asked the queen for directions. You've just been speaking to the queen. And she was so caught up in getting the directions with her map that she'd lost sight of who she was speaking to, who was in front of her. She wasn't really looking And this is the mistake that Peter makes, that he wasn't really looking. He doesn't really see what's going on here. And on the surface, it might seem like Peter is looking. It might seem like he does get it. He calls Jesus Lord. But what else does he say in verse four? Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now, we don't know exactly what Peter was thinking when he said this, but there's a couple of different options. 
Maybe he looked at who was in front of him and was just so amazed and he thought, let's prolong the experience for as long as possible. So he set up some tents. The other um, reason he might have done this was that he recognized God's presence and he thought about the Feast of Booths. And this is where the Jewish people would set up tents because they remembered God's provision and presence with them in the wilderness. So they do this each year, live in those tents for seven days. Now, however well-intentioned Peter's reasons were, the point is this. He was missing what was happening. He wasn't really looking. And in this moment, where Jesus, his divinity, was being made known, this glorious moment of the transfiguration. Peter was missing what was happening. He was not looking. And so his words get interrupted. Verse five says, while Peter was still speaking, it is as Peter is still speaking that the Shekinah glory, the cloud of glory comes with this voice from heaven. We, like Peter, get distracted with saying or doing something, but God, he wants us to stop and look at him first. Before we say anything, before we do anything, we stop and look at who God is. Peter's speech was taking him away from beholding the glorious Lord who was standing right in front of him. It was preventing him from letting this truth of who Jesus is sink into his heart. If Peter was really looking at Jesus, he wouldn't have said what he did. Even though Peter had confessed that he believed that Jesus is the Messiah, and we see him do this in the previous chapter, chapter 16. In this moment, Peter is putting Jesus in the same bracket as Moses and Elijah. And he did this because he was not really looking at Jesus. And our tendencies are the same. When we forget, or when we haven't really grasped, or we aren't really looking at Jesus, we don't give him the highest place. We put Jesus at the same level as family members, or a good job, or some sort of security or status, when really he is our glorious Lord and he deserves the highest place. Do we lean more to seeing Jesus as an almighty or the almighty? He is our friend, but he is also the Lord God almighty. 
So we pray simply, open our eyes, God. Open our eyes so that we would see really who you are because we so easily forget. Let us stop and look, beholding Jesus for who he is. So we've seen Peter's mistake and that he was interrupted. The second part of verse five tells us what the voice from heaven says. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. This is the voice of the father confirming the identity of Jesus that he is the son of God. He is the one who's been sent to save. He is the Messiah. In the gospels, we read about the father speaking audibly just three times. So these words are worth paying attention to. He tells us who Jesus is. This is who Jesus is. So listen to him. And there are so many other voices and narratives that we can listen to in this life. Social media, the narrative of worldly success, self-indulgences. But the encouragement for us today is to listen to him. For the disciples, the narrative, the voice that they would have had was that the Messiah would come to reign and save in a certain way. And for a lot of them, they thought that this looked like going to war with the Romans because they were oppressing the Jewish people. But Jesus, he tells them that he has come to save in a different way. He tells them in the chapter before that he is going to suffer, that he is going to die. And this would have been so puzzling for the disciples. And the transfiguration, this glorious revelation of Jesus, his divinity. This is Jesus in his kindness reassuring the disciples that he is who he says he is. He is the one who has promised. So listen, listen to him. And this leads us on to our last point. Stop Look, listen, and live. Live in the mission. Live in God's mission. The transfiguration led to transformation for Peter, James, and John. It was a key moment in their journey of faith in Jesus Christ. Peter, he mentions the transfiguration towards the end of his life as he's looking back, saying that he had been an eyewitness of Jesus' majesty, that he had heard the voice from heaven. These disciples went on to be leaders in the early church, giving their lives for the sake of the gospel because they had seen who Jesus is. And when we look at Jesus, when we really see who he is, God transforms us and we live 
in God's mission. Our response is the same. We live in God's mission. Bishop Rowan Williams, who is a former archbishop, he has described mission as giving someone a dig in the ribs and saying, lick, lick at God's. Look at what he's doing. Can we do this in the season that we're in, this Christmas time? Can we invite people to carols on the common or carols by candlelight of any of the other Christmas services? How can we be people who give others a dig in the rib and say, look, look at God. Look at what he's doing. How can we call others to lick at this glorious Lord that we have. A couple of days ago, a Christian friend sent me a voice note on WhatsApp. And she really loves her department at work. She's a teacher. Um, And she was just sharing that as the end of term approaches, everyone's really tired. And she's noticed that people are complaining, and in particular, complaining about each other. And the thing that she has been praying is that she, she's been asking God for creative ways to lift people's eyes beyond what they're complaining about. And she's praying that people would lift their eyes to God. And she ended up um, organizing a time for her department to spend with one another eating pastries. And as followers of Jesus, we get to join in with God's mission, saying that we have someone beyond our circumstances to look at. Look at Jesus. Look at how glorious he is. In the last section of our passage, we see Jesus explain that John the Baptist had prophetically prepared the way for him. And he again tells his disciples that as part of his mission, he will suffer, he will die. And this is the kind of God that Jesus is, that he would choose Suffering before glory, servanthood before exaltation, poverty before riches, the cross before the crown. And this is forever his glory. This is real glory. So would we look at him again? this glorious Lord who has poured out his life for us. Would we open our eyes to seeing his power and his majesty and his splendor? Would we open our eyes to seeing how glorious he is? So come, and behold Jesus.